Hello and welcome to Culture Alt. Russ Lovegrove is one of the most famous designers of his generation. His work for Apple and Sony has enabled the development of the Walkman and the laptop. To celebrate London Design Festival 2017, he's presenting Transmission, a 21-meter sculpture that has been set in the 15th-century tapestry room at the V&A. Ross Lovegrove is now with us at the V&A. Ross, hello. Hi. The piece is called Transmission, and it's a 21.3-meter-long uh, piece that's installed at the V&A during LDF. Can you tell us about the idea behind it? Yeah. Um, well, I love that room. So that room, when you enter that room, it's like a sanctuary in London. And I do come. And it's also very cold, so you, it does something to you. It has this sort of meditative quality. The, uh, the tapestries are, began in 15, uh, 1425, so that age and depth is absolutely fantastic. I think that's why we come to these places. We come for age and depth and complexity and excellence and making and art. And so what I've done is I, I, I love the, the colors that you have with the aging, which if you see in a Rembrandt or Michelangelo's work, the aged colors are very, very sophisticated. And we kind of know that, but we don't know that. So what I did was I scanned them. I used special software to collect the colors directly from the tapestries. And then what I've done is I've embedded those into this new material, this Alcantara material, to make the sculptural installation. So what you'll see is I've used the Alcantara because it really absorbs color in an amazing way. If you touch it, which I'm sort of encouraging people to do, uh, you get this amazing dialogue between an art installation and something historic which you can't touch. So by touching mine, I think you touched the tapestries in some way, and I think this is really beautiful. And, yeah. It's a fantastic piece. What's interesting is that you're mentioning the color, so you scan from the aged color, as you said, but as we know, today these colors were much brighter yeah. in their own time. Why take maybe the fake approach of the today's approach of aging time and not the intention of the artist? Well, I couldn't do that because I don't know how to reverse engineer those colors. I don't. And I remember the first time I went to see Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, uh, very late seeing it, they just restored it. And I was disappointed because it felt like a contemporary cartoon. I mean, I'm a designer, so I, I, I love color in the sense that color used in industry, of an incredible fluorescent orange in a polymer is incredible. But... Uh, Generally speaking, there's a certain toxicity associated with very bright fluorescent colors. When you look at age colors, they sort of meld into the air, they go into the floor, they go into the materials of the building. And, you know, I'm a really modern thinker, and the, the work I do is very 21st century. But this is very 21st century because it's, uh, it's all done with digital process. There's 2.2 million uh, embroidered gold thread points throughout and they're there to actually just capture the light on the edges to be able to reveal the object you know the object that I've created yeah well you mentioning technology you've always been very big on technology and that's what uh, in everything that you do there, there's always a you're always the first to do something yeah, <laughs> that, that's a big point for you so what's the first on, on this one well the, it's the first but partly it's the first because if people didn't know I did it, I don't know if people would know I did it. And I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying this disruption of myself because I don't want to be a designer that just designs a sofa every week and repeats myself. I think design is about discovery. 
So I'm really uh, like an explorer of potential. So when I meet people, like I met somebody this week who wants me to make an incredible Chinese tea room in Beijing, I think, well, why on earth do they ask me? You know, because I do these other things. But I like that. I like the fact that they recognize a sensitivity, a softness, uh, a very human dimension in what I do, and I have that. The show I did at the Pompidou uh, this year, I showed my notebooks, and they became really quite a sensation for people because it's very visceral, very deep, and and, and textural and human. So yeah, I, I I want that dialogue between the silver, let's go to Mars, spacey thing, but also the stone tools of primitive man. So I mean, I I'm interested in antiquity. I I'm interested in depth, and you don't often get that with contemporary design. The dialogue seems to be more about materiality yeah. than maybe the cultural content. If I mean, I mean the 15th century tapestry that's here at the V&A, you took the colors from it and, and maybe the shape of the hat, uh, but it doesn't seem to transpire the, the cultural uh, idea behind it. Same with the Chinese, you wonder why they picked you. Yeah, this is the common ground, materiality. And if you look at the work of people like Izumo Noguchi, Richard Serra, and so on. These are these artists, sculptors, sculptors, let's not talk about artists, sculptors who embed the materialness in what they do. There's, a, there's an absolutely undislocatable connect between the material and the object, the mass and the weight and the density and the tactility. And I use these languages. These are the languages I use in my studio. I talk more like a sculptor than I do a designer. And I'm working on a project now which is very advanced, and I refuse to use any polymer in it, even though I love polymer. And I'm just using that as a test bed to see if I could make a known product in different materials. And the reaction I'm getting, even you know, with the client, is quite ex extraordinary. Do you think there's a danger in that, that in, in being interested in the permeability of material from era to era, we're losing the cultural side? This is also a problem of today. You're interested in technology and we're losing what information is important. Even in your work, is there a danger of losing our past by just looking at material? Yeah, it kind of evaporates, you know, and I, I'm worried, you know, I've said this a lot recently, that I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about the transience of everything, people, ideas, the insta, insta world, Instagram, insta everything. It's the fact you take a look at it at a glance and bang, it's gone. And I think we need to bring permanence in. Sculpture has permanence. I mean, you're not gonna throw away an Anthony Gormley or a Rachel Whiteread, you're not. So why do we have a, a different uh, uh, approach to objects, uh, you know? And we, we live in a society of consumer durables where the material in a pump action toothpaste dispenser is more than in your watch or your, 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 your what used to be an iPod. And one you keep for two months and you quite happily throw it away. And the other one you revere because you, you paid a lot for it and it works. So I, th I think society needs to straighten that one out. So raising awareness with projects like this of the tactility, the very beautiful depth of material, the value of material. Also, this is a, a non-CO2 based material. It's a, a recyclable material. And it's a true alternative to leather. Well, you can't keep you know, killing cows to make handbags, it seems kind of silly to me. I know it's a byproduct, but I think there's other ways to, to find other deep human feelings in things which are 
which are different materials, the man-made materials. They're not always the awkwardness of a natural material. You understand me? You talked about recycling, so this is the question I usually ask uh, designers. Design used to be about form versus function, then we had the problem of the environment. Some people think it's robotics, that's what um, actually uh, Terence Conrad said, future of design is robotics. So question to you now, what do you think is the future of design? Uh, I think, well the future of design is, is evidently has to dovetail, has to absolutely connect with our natural world. That's, it, that's why I talk about biological design. This is what Mathieu Lenner uh, talks about, who's a good friend. Uh, we talk about the biological entity, so going from the mechanical, which is a sort of industrial revolution thing with fire and smelly oil and all that stuff, into a, a, like a human skin-based uh, dialogue with the objects around us. So we, we will in the future bioengineer very specifically at a cellular, at a nano level, the materials we want. We will put those together in the right sequences only for what you need. This does a number of things. One is it creates a wonderful birth-life-death cycle of a material. It puts it into a complete cycle, uh, but it also means it creates a new economy. It's a new, everything gets redesigned. So there's a, a generation of wealth through a new way of looking at design. But secondarily, there's no waste. You enter an age where what you make is what you make for what you need. That's why 3D printing, bespoke design like shoes or whatever, uh, you know, we, we're making huge volumes of things. And it, that's not an issue. The issue is uh, the birth, life, death or, or relocation of materials, reappropriation. The biggest issue is packaging, always, and uh, you know I, I get involved in packaging, like my champagne bottle for, for Mum that I did, but that's recycled glass, 100 grams less, no paper label, it's got all the ecological credentials, and their sales have doubled. So you know, if you get it right, everybody wins. Perfect way to end, Ross Lovegrove, thank you very much. <laughs>